if you haven't uh, figured it out by now with the, uh, with the passages that were read and the title up on the PowerPoint behind me here, <coughs> we're talking about baptism today. And if you remember last week, we were talking about the other ordinance that we practice here at BCBC, which is the Lord's Supper. And so I thought uh, that uh, to take advantage of these two weeks here and just to take that time and look at these two ordinances. First, our, last week, our Lord's Supper, and today, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> today, a baptism. You know, the name of our church uh, has that very thing in it. Vancouver Chinese Baptist Church. Each word in our, the name of our church here has some kind of meaning and some kind of importance to it. And it seems to be fairly obvious, I think, to everyone here uh, what that is. Of course, Vancouver is our location. Chinese recognizes something uh, of the history and the membership of the church. Obviously, I'm here not exclusively, but we're not an exclusive club, but uh, it does represent something. Baptist, it says something about who we are and where we fit in the, uh, in the spectrum of Christianity. We're a church. We're not a social club. It says something about our purpose, who we are and what we're here to do. So, it's, uh, our name has some kind of meaning to us and has some kind of importance to uh, who we are. You know, you might say, well, why, why Baptist? Doesn't that seem sort of somehow exclusive to say that we are a a Baptist church? And sometimes, you know, I I have to wonder even myself, you know, doesn't that put some people off perhaps? Uh, You know, saying that we are Baptist church because then people reply, will will say, well, I'm not a Baptist, I don't go there. Or uh, sometimes you might hear people saying, well, I'm not a Baptist, I'm a Christian. And you go, well, okay, but, uh, but, but you're still welcome to come to our church. But what's the big deal about baptism? Why, why do we have that even in our name, Baptist? Why is, it, why is it so important that we would even mention that in the name of the church? Because that gives, uh, says something about who we are. So, we, as I said, we were talking last week about the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And this week we, uh, we want to talk about baptism. It is an important thing. Baptism is very important. Baptism is important for our church. It's important for each individual here in the church. And so it is something that's worth spending a bit of time to talk about. Um, we sometimes do baptisms. At certain times of the year, we have baptisms. We've got one coming up on December 20th, but it's worthwhile stopping and and taking a few minutes and just thinking about what it is that, that we're doing and the importance of that. So, we, have, uh, we are a Baptist church. You know, when we, in church circles, in, in, uh, when we talk about, uh, uh, about these, these church practices, sometimes we, we talk about them uh, as a mark of the church. And, you, and if you... Stop and think about it. You say, well, what makes up a church? Why are we a church? Maybe at, your, at the campus where you're attending university, you go to a Christian fellowship group, but you say, well, that's not a church. So why is that not a church and we are a church? Well, we say that we, the, 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 there are certain marks 
of a church. Certain things that make it a church that are different than other Christian groups. And so, baptism is one of those things because we, uh, we baptize people here into membership in the church, whereas your Christian groups will not do that sort of thing because they say that is a mark of the church. And so, we leave that practice to be done in the church rather than in those other Christian organizations. So, baptism is an important part of who we are. We've been talking about baptism for the last few weeks. You've been seeing a notice in the bulletin about baptismal classes. We're doing that preparing for baptism here on December 20th. It's going to be an exciting day. We're going to have a baptism here in the English congregation. The Mandarin mission is going to be baptizing and then some others are being baptized in the afternoon. So it's an exciting baptismal day coming up on December 20th. And so let's talk about it. Where I want to start today talking about it is just getting us to go back in history. Go back many, many years. Go back to 385 A.D. When the early church is wrestling with what do we really believe? What are key things for us as Christians? What separates us? What puts us apart from the Jewish roots that we have? What puts us apart from other pagan religions? What did the apostles teach? What does it mean? What is our basic understanding of Christian faith? And they came up and with these formulations, with what we call today creeds. Words that have been put together in a form that says, describes concisely what we believe. And when we read these, we will see baptism is there. For that early church, as they are putting together the foundation of the church, the foundational beliefs of the church, baptism is there. And so I want us to read together the Nicene Creed. A creed that was developed in uh, about 325 and revised in 385 uh, A.D. And I want us to read that together. So let's, let's join together. It's up on the screen behind you. These words will be very familiar. Let's read this together. And looking at the end for the words of baptism. Let's read together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us, humans, and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. He rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Giver of life who proceeds from the Father, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. 
We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Isn't that amazing? To stand in the place, to say the words that have been said through generations and generations going back to the very foundations of the church. And there it is. Baptism. So we're not some talking about something new here. We're not talking about some, uh, <coughs> something that we've just made up in the last few years. But baptism goes back to the very foundation of the church. So, what does the word baptism mean? We might as well take a look at it and see what, uh, uh, what it has to say. Um, the baptism comes from a Greek word. Baptizo. And there you see it in the, in the Greek... Uh, in the Greek letters there. Um, and baptism uh, means completely, to completely cover with a fluid, to submerge or immerse something, to uh, overwhelm it with fluid, whatever it might be, whatever liquid it might be. You could, uh, uh, you could use that word in, in, that, uh, in that sense. And it's a, the important part of that word is, is completely... Uh, submerged, not like an iceberg where it's mostly submerged and there's a little bit sticking out on the top. Uh, not, uh, but it's like a, more like a rock that's dropped in a pool, sinks to the bottom and is completely surrounded by water, completely immersed in it. And that's what baptism uh, means. To be completely immersed. That's its, its basic meaning of something uh, when it's baptized. It's, it's immersed. And we get that picture as we Read in our Bibles accounts of baptism. For example, in Mark chapter one, uh, verse ten, and this is a, this is a uh, an account of our Lord Jesus and his baptism. And it says in Mark chapter one, verse ten, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, so he was immersed and he's coming up out of it. And so we see that. Example is there. And that picture of, of being immersed and then coming up out of it. And in the same way, it's a similar way, it says in Acts 8, verse 39, when they came up out of the water, this is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, when they came up out of the water. And so it's giving a clear picture of, of, of them being immersed and then coming up out of the water. So we see that's the basic word meaning of the word baptism. To be immersed in, in, in something. And here in the Bible when we see baptism used, it's immersed in water, completely immersed in water and people coming up out of it. The second thing to think about is where did, that, uh, did baptism originate? Where did it come from? Well, baptism was not a new thing uh, with new, in the New Testament times. You know, baptism wasn't something new that was just invented. The church just didn't sit down and think about baptism and what could we do? Uh, and, and they came up with a, with a brand new thing that they're doing, which is immersing people in water and having them come back out of it. Uh, it wasn't something new. You know, last week when we, uh, when we looked at uh, the Lord's Supper, we talked a little bit about symbols that we have. Things that uh, are symbolic. And even the Lord's Supper is symbolic. We don't actually take the, 
the blood and the body of Christ. It's a, the, we, we, have, we have bread and juice and those symbolize something to us. The cross that we have on the church and that we see here uh, all around us in, in, in our Christian faith is, uh, is a symbol of Jesus' death. But the cross wasn't used exclusively for Jesus. The cross was simply a method of punishment that the Romans used. The Christians took that cross, that symbol of Jesus' death, and filled it with new meaning. It wasn't just exclusively used for Jesus. In Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God shows Noah a rainbow. And He gives Noah a promise. And through Noah, He gives all of us a promise that He's never going to do that again. And He says, see the rainbow. Remember My promise when you see this rainbow. He takes that symbol, that thing in the sky, that rainbow, and He fills it with some new meaning. So all of these things, many of these things, are things that existed already, but God and through His Spirit and, and it works in the hearts of Christians and fills them with new meaning. And so when we look at baptism, we see that uh, baptism is something that the Christians took and God used to fill it with new meaning. Baptism was practiced in some form or other. Of course, it doesn't have the same meaning, but that form of immerse, uh, immersing uh, the, the followers and having them come up out of the water is a, uh, even the pagan religions uh, practiced something like that. It's a, a sign of washing, of being cleansed. The Jews practiced it. Leviticus chapter 15 has many rules for cleansing. And those often include some kind of ritual bathing in water. So, you know, you, you, you might do something. You know, you might touch a dead body or something. Well, then you have to go. It talks about going and being washed. Well, you're not washing off anything uh, that, that, we, that was, contaminated you. It's, it's a ritual cleansing of something. And so, uh, so there might be some aspect of that physical uh, washing, but it's really a, a, a representative uh, demonstration of a cleansing that happened. Sin pollutes us. And so we need to be cleansed. And so the washing in the Old Testament is a little bit like a shadow of what's coming in the New Testament. It only worked on the surface. You know, the Jews practiced baptism in some way. They didn't call it that. Uh, they call it their, their uh, uh, equivalent of it is called a mikveh. And it's not mentioned in the Bible, but in the other books that the Jews use along with the Bible, the things called the Mishnah and the Talmud, that it give instructions on how the Jewish religious practices are to be carried out. They both mention ritual immersion in water. Some were doing it for a repentance. When they uh, felt convicted of their sins, they'd repent of their sins and then they'd go and they'd wash as a as a, as a representation of the, 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 the washing away of their sins. Some would wash in preparation for a coming of the Messiah. So in some Jewish circles, it had a, a, a sense of waiting for the Messiah. So, so it wasn't washing. There was something ritual about it. 
In fact, in the Jewish tradition, you actually bathed and got clean before you went in to the mikveh. But you fully immersed yourself. And you also, you went in fully naked too. You took off all your clothes and you went in um, for this. So, those who converted to Judaism, they have to go through this process of mikveh and being cleansed. For if you had uh, cooking utensils, you, uh, you, you wash them in this sort of, same sort of practice. So, you've seen a couple of, of, uh, of slides there. One, the first one, if you can go back one there, that is a, is, is a, is a historical, uh, archaeological uh, dig, and this was a, an old, uh, uh, an old uh, mikveh here. And you can see the steps where they walked down into it and then came up the, the other side, and you couldn't, you couldn't go back the other way because, of course, you, you had to go back up the, the clean side, if you will. Uh, and it's still practiced today. And the next slide there shows a, a modern one in a Jewish synagogue. The meaning is different, but the, 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 the image is very much the same. Uh, you, you do it yourself, though. You, you, do the, you wash yourself physically. Then you walk down into the, into the pool. You submerge yourself. And then you just walk. Uh, you come back out. So that's a, a picture of a, a very modern one. So even today, Judaism is practicing something that looks a lot like baptism. Okay, so uh, John, we see, uh, we see the John the Baptist. He was baptizing in preparation for Jesus' coming. So it was something that was even being done right in, in Jesus' time uh, that uh, we read about in Mark chapter 1. Uh, we read that, that John was going around baptizing. Mark chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were out to him, went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So, this is not, again, just to say, this is not something new that the Christians invented. They knew about it. They'd seen it, uh, they'd seen it being done in Jewish traditions. John the Baptist himself was doing it in a baptism of repentance. As people repented, they were baptized in it, and they were expecting, waiting for the Messiah. John knew who Jesus was. He knew what Jesus was coming to do. And he knew what his own role was. He was preparing the people for the Messiah. He was baptizing those who responded to his uh, call for preparation for the Messiah. They responded by repenting of their sins and they, he would baptize them. And so we see that uh, even though uh, Christians have taken that, that practice of baptism, it didn't start with them. But they took it and they filled it with new meaning. So the Christians took that experience of baptism and filled it with new meaning. The third thing we, we can see as we, as we think about baptism is who needs to be baptized? The question is, who needs to be baptized? The answer really is quite simple. All who have confessed Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart, they need to be baptized. The New Testament example sets for us an example of baptism that follows very closely after their conversion. And we see this uh, a number of times in the book of Acts. 
In the book of Acts, we see just a few examples of this. We see many times in Scripture where, in, in, where uh, people respond to the Gospel message and they're baptized. So we see, for example, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, uh, Peter preaches a beautiful sermon and it says that the people were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They've come under such conviction from the message that Peter has preached that they say we have to do something. We have to respond in some way. What are we going to do? I can't just sit here and listen to this message. I need to do something. And he says, Peter says in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then it goes on and it says in verse 41, those who accepted His message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. Imagine that would have been some preaching. That would have been some service, wouldn't it? To, to, to be sitting there. Imagine sitting there with Peter and the other apostles and those early believers listening to this sermon and seeing this crowd gather. And then at the end of it, everyone's saying, what are we going to do? And Peter says, repent. And 3,000 people come forward and then they baptize them all on that day. Pretty exciting stuff going on there in the book of Acts. But baptism followed closely after their salvation. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. Again, uh, we read, it says uh, about preaching and the response to it. Uh, it says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Again, people hearing that message and responding and saying, I, want, I need to be baptized. That was a, a usual response. And finally, the last example here. Um, again, uh, the, the preaching is going on. Peter's preaching. And then it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 47, Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we see this example, in the, uh, especially in the book of Acts, of baptism following those who have made that decision for Christ. So baptism is simply something that follows after coming to faith in Christ. It always follows faith. So quite simply, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. It's pretty much that simple. That seems to be the, the example that we're taking up from the New Testament, that that's who should be baptized. Baptism is not something that we do in the hopes of something will happen after that we will somehow reach a new level of maturity because I've been baptized. Or that my relationship with God will somehow be enhanced. That maybe there's some, uh, something standing in the way of my relationship with God and once, uh, once I, I take this step, once I'm baptized, then God will open a new door for me into some kind of spirituality. That's not what we're saying baptism is about. Baptism happens after we come to faith in Christ. 
<clears throat> but we, we somehow expect that when we do something, there's going to be some kind of response. That's the, the normal way things work in the world. You know, we work hard, we do a good job, we'll get a raise, we'll get a promotion, we'll do something like that. Uh, and so we do something and then there should be a response. And here, uh, baptism seems to be the other way around. Where we do something, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and then, and then we are baptized. The faith is there first and baptism comes as an obedience to Christ that follows our faith. So, the person who needs to be baptized is the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. As we follow Christ in example for us, as we are baptized in obedience to Christ's command, we may find, in fact, that our relationship with God is enhanced. Our obedience uh, continued, ongoing, growing obedience to the Word of God will always enhance our relationship. And so as we do this, as we, as we do this act of obedience of being baptized, our relationship will, with God will naturally grow just as it does with any other time that we commit ourselves to radical obedience to Him. But the bottom line is that baptism follows faith. So then why do we baptize? Why, why do we do this? Why do we, why do we bother? Well, the first thing is that Jesus Himself did it. You know, so we see that Jesus Himself was baptized. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, in a fascinating passage, Jesus goes to John, John the Baptist. And it says in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So Jesus comes to, to John and says, John, I need you to baptize me. John knows exactly who Jesus is. He was fully aware of Jesus' uh, position and who He was. And he says, I you don't need to be baptized. John was doing a baptism for the repentance and he knows Jesus and he knows that Jesus is, is sinless and he says, you don't need this baptism of repentance. In fact, it somehow seems out of place. Jesus, you're the head and, uh, and, and John, I'm, I'm down here. It somehow just doesn't seem right that I would baptize you. And, and Jesus says, well, there's reasons for me to be baptized. And so Jesus, in His humility, He's baptized by John. Uh, uh, and so Jesus says, this is to fulfill all righteousness. This is just to set Jesus apart for the work that God has for Him. So this is really seen as the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so Jesus says, this is the time I need to be set apart and this baptism is going to do that. God's approval comes on Jesus at the point of His baptism. And his, he, uh, it says uh, the heavens open and the Spirit of God descends on Jesus and a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. So God's approval uh, comes on Jesus at the moment of His baptism. Everything that was going to be done by the Messiah was there in Jesus now. And Jesus was ready to take on His, uh, his ministry. 
Jesus also was baptized simply as an example for us that this is something we should do. We're followers of Jesus. We are Christians. We want to be Christ-like. And so we do what Jesus did. Baptism is one of them. So simply we do it because Jesus did it. Then we see that Jesus commanded it in Matthew 28 and 19 and 20. He tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is Jesus' command that we are to baptize people. It's when you see what does Jesus tell us to do? We are to go and make disciples. What do we do with them? We baptize them and we teach them. It's important. Very important because it's something that Jesus Himself told us to do. These disciples that we make, they need to be baptized. They need to be taught. And so we encourage people to be baptized in obedience to Christ. We're following Jesus' orders. He is our commander-in-chief, if you will. And so we, we need to follow Him and be baptized ourselves and encourage others to be baptized as well. The third thing Third reason why we would be baptized. It's a clear way to publicly proclaim our faith. And we see that both in the Lord's Supper and in baptism. These are a way of proclaiming Jesus. We, we announce Jesus through these things. And we see this even in the baptism of Jesus Himself. He came forward at baptism to be clearly identified as the Messiah. This was the point where, uh, where, where it becomes very clear and it becomes public. This is who Jesus is. Not everybody believed it. Not everybody accepted it, of course. But, but this is when He publicly uh, started His ministry. Jesus identified Himself as the Messiah. And, and he, he, he started really started something then. And we can do that too. We can be a part of that of standing up and saying, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. How often do we really take that time to stand up and be counted? We might do that on an individual basis, maybe with friends or family members or co-workers, but really how often do we stand up publicly and say, I am a Christian and I'm going to follow Jesus. Baptism is that opportunity. And so it is a clear public way to demonstrate our commitment to Christ. Baptism is like sort of flying our flag to identify which, uh, which side we're on, what, what group we're identifying with, and it's like we are Christians. Then the last reason why we'd be baptized is it's an outward reflection of an inward reality in our lives. And we see this in the book of Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And it says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Something's happened inside of us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes, he says, the old has gone, the new has come. We have experienced new life in Christ. And now baptism 
is showing outwardly what's happened to us inwardly. The old is gone. The new has come. We have died to our old self. We're raised new in Christ. And that's an important part of of it is just having that outward reflection of something that's done on the inside. So as we take time and as we've taken time over these last couple of weeks to think about the ordinance of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper and today specifically for baptism, what kind of uh, reflection can we have on this? You know, the first, the first thing to think about, the first thing to consider is a challenge for those who have yet to come to faith. For those who have yet to repent and be baptized. For those who have yet to put their faith in Jesus Christ. We need to consider that as we think about baptism today, this morning, as we see the baptism happen in December. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, take that time to stop and think about Why not? Why haven't I put my faith in Christ? What's holding me back? The Bible says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we need to repent, to turn away from our sin. We need a Savior who will save us from the punishment for our sin. We need to come and accept Christ as our Savior. Repent and be baptized. Baptism can also be a challenge for those who have made that commitment to Christ but not yet been baptized. It's an important step of obedience. Baptism isn't going to save us from our sins. But it will, it will tell people who I am. And it will solidify in your own mind and in the minds of others around you who am I really following here. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about baptism, inviting people to come to baptismal class. And... Uh, hopefully you've heard that challenge. Think about it. Take time to consider, is it time for me to be baptized? Many of you have come forward and have, are, are, are thinking about it. But I'm sure there's still others who need to come. So come and, and talk to myself or Pastor Don and see about being baptized. We don't have to just baptize on December 20th. We can baptize another time. So if you're still feeling that a desire to explore what does it mean to be baptized? Come and talk to us. For those of us who have put our faith in Christ and then followed in that in the, the waters of baptism and being baptized, the challenge for us then is to live in the reality of our baptism. Our sinful nature is gone. We, we have new life in Christ. We've been, we've been brought back from the dead. We've crossed over from death to life. Do we live like that? Do we really live our life like that? Do we live out the reality of that baptism in our day-to-day lives? Do we go through life living as though we are a new creation? Or is the new creation only something that happens on a, and only, we only let it out on Sunday mornings for a couple hours when we come to church? If we've made that step and we've said, Publicly, I'm, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive in Christ. Are we really living that out every day of our life, every minute of every day? 
Would others see it in us? If we stopped and asked and said, does that, look like, does, does that person look like a Christian to you? What would your friends say? What would your family say? Sometimes we get baptized and we forget about what it means. Maybe baptism is the one and only time in your life where you've really stood and said, I am a Christian. Now might be a good time to change that. Be bolder and clearer about who you stand for. Fly our flag, the flag of the kingdom, and say, the kingdom rules in my life. Can we show Jesus at work in our lives? And you know what can happen? A friend of D.L. Moody by the name of Henry Varley said this, and D.L. Moody picked it up and used it many times. He says, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a person who is fully and wholly consecrated to Him. Imagine what the 650 of us here at VCBC, if we all said we are fully and wholly committed to Christ and His kingdom and building His work here on earth. Imagine the impact on the city of Vancouver if 650 Christians fully committed to Christ with 100% of their lives exploded out into the world around us here. It would be remarkable. It would be really something. And Varley is saying here, the world has yet to see. The world hasn't seen someone like that yet. Maybe, maybe one person. Maybe Jesus Christ. Look what He did. Now, He was special for sure. But each one of us have that challenge to say, if I'm really following Christ, can I be fully and wholly committed, consecrated, set apart to Him? impact the world around us for the kingdom. So baptism has something for all of us. Whether we've been baptized or not, there's a challenge in that for us. And so as we think about baptism, think about what it means for me. Think about what it means in my life today. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for uh, the baptism that You have given to us as a way we can declare our lives for You. Help us to live like that each and every day. Help us to be committed to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.